Line. I meant to tell you that you can turn to YouTube. We could not publish that over the line because we don't own that. Uh, but that's Casting Crowns. You can find it on YouTube in Nobody. Uh, and uh, I've been a big fan of Casting Crowns for a long time. And so it's, it's a privilege to, to come and talk to you this morning, give you a message, uh, I pray, that's from God. I had had a message completely almost done, and God changed it. He does that sometimes. He gets to be God. Amen? Amen. And so that's where I'm at today. And so just let me uh, begin here, um, again, praying. It's never, never too busy to, to not pray. Amen? Amen? Matter of fact, is Bob, for, if I get down here and can't get back up, you guys have to jack me up. <laughs> um, should be like breathing, right? Amen? Shouldn't breathing prayer be like that? Yes, very. No, I have one behind me. Thank you for that. God's looking out for me with these men. Uh, let me uh, just pray and then we'll start. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Don't know how far we're going to get. I recognize we've got the Lord's Supper. That's very important, so I'm going to lay a foundation for that. But let me begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. Bless us now. So we search the word. Dear Lord, I pray for our hearts and minds today. Uh, dear Lord, uh, pretty much all Ephesians was written to uh, the saved people to tell us how that we ought to live. But it also... It gives us a pointed picture of, of what the world is. And the fact is, is that they're lost. And that's the way we were. We were dead according to the word of God. And uh, you didn't, we didn't uh, know you. We had no desire to know you. But praise the Lord that in each and every one of these persons that are here today, that you've touched their heart and they have trusted you as salvation. Dear Lord, that it was your work. It was your Bible. It was your Holy Spirit. It was your word that just uh, opened our hearts. And we thank you for that fact. Now, the Heavenly Father, there may be some here that don't know you as Lord and Savior. This may be a foreign language to them. But through the Holy Spirit, I pray that they would be touched like Linda and I were touched on a November day in 1980. Lord, I pray for that. I pray, ask you now to guide and direct us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the things that uh, Ephesians does is, well, let's start out, with the, start out with the Bible. The Bible is full of legacy. It is full of stories of people who have entered an interaction with God. And in that story, it says from Genesis with Adam and Eve to, uh, to both uh, John the Revelator, it was, a, it was a picture of how that they, uh, they had to keep uh, focus on God, and what they left behind was a story about how God had touched their lives. So how they inspired, and this is how they inspired the world while they were able to, to be uh, controlled and Directed by the Holy Spirit through the Jesus Christ. Um, that video is like casting crowns. It's, it states the fact that we've all been called for a purpose. And we're all wanted, we're just nobodies. But we want to tell everybody about Jesus. Amen. And so that's the picture we're going to paint today. Colossians uh, chapter uh, 1 verses 15 through 19. It says... He is the image of the invisible God. The word he there is referring to Jesus Christ. He was that physical form in, in the world, and he was that picture of the visible God. And for by all things were created, both in heavens and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rules or, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Isn't that great? That when he created the world, he was thinking of you. He had you on his mind from the beginning. You know, if you think about it for just a moment, that 
notice what God had done. And I want you to see this. That what Jesus God had done in his creation is he created us the beautiful world. He gives water. He gives us air. He gives birds. I think birds sing to Jesus. When you listen to birds, aren't they beautiful? I'm not figuring out what a crow's doing, but I think all the rest of them sing to Jesus. But all the, all the things on the ocean and all the things on the planet, at one time before the fall of man, we could play with tigers. Now they think we're, they think we're, uh, we're food, right? And so what's going to happen, he's coming back someday, and he's going to renew all that. And someday we're going to be able to, to play with polar bears and other things like that. But in the meantime, he's given us this world to live in so that we may know that, that he is a God who's created all things. And so when you look at the world, and, and I know that we've done a very bad job. Matter of fact, he gave Adam the responsibility to take care of the world, and we've done a pretty bad job of it sometimes. And I'm not about global warming, but the Bible says the worth is wearing out. And so God knew that we would do some silly things because we're human beings. But the idea is that God always knows what's going on. Isn't that great? So let's move on. We're in, still in Colossians. It says here this. He said that he is also the head of the body, the church. Isn't that great? I think sometimes people that we forget as pastors, done this for a few years, that we forget that he's in charge. He's in charge of all that we do. And sometimes, I never got a phone call from him and saying, Hey, Gary, this is what you need to do today. He just doesn't work like that. He works with the Holy Spirit. But the idea is, listen, that he's in charge, he's the head of the church, and sometimes we've got to be still to let him know that he's, that, that he's God. We don't, have, we don't have all the programs that are out there, but I believe that our pastor's got the right way. And here's the idea, that you guys are a wonderful group of people. I came, I, when I was at Victory, we had a group like you. We were kind of off the beaten path. Uh, but you guys are out in the middle where God has put you, and, and there's some great fellowship here. I've been a part of, of, of the... Uh, idea of being part of the uh, the leadership team. Uh, I've not been a, a, a participating part because of my health, but God is allowing me to do that now. Amen? And I look forward to it. And I don't have any ideas other than what Jesus gives us. You know, this morning we had some people that asked you to pray for certain things. Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit working in those people's hearts. I got a phone call this morning for somebody who wanted to pray, and I give it to Brother Bob because that's the right person to do it. But listen, if you're lost, you don't, have, you don't want to know about praying for nobody unless it's self-serving. But as we reach out and pray for one another, that's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And so it's a wonderful thing to hear that we, we have a desire to pray for one another. And we have to, and because it, it, it amazes me that we get these terrible tragedies in our world. And we have people that, that, don't, that actually express they don't believe in God, because I'm not presuming it anyways, but they'll ask you to pray for somebody. And I'm going, listen, isn't it a good idea that if I'm going to pray, I'm going to be able to pray to someone who can answer the prayer? Amen. Not just in anybody. You know, India has six million gods. Who in the world is going to pray to six million gods? You'd be talking about that for eight days. But you and I have one God to go to. Amen? And we know that he's going to answer prayer because he's faithful. If you look at your life, you know that he's done it. I talk about my life, and I look at how God had put some fingerprints in my life as all my life that he's done since a little boy because that's what the song's about, that he, that he knew us, that he protected us. And I tell you what, God loves some dumb people because he sure loves me because I've done some dumb things. And my son could tell you about them, but I pay him not to tell anybody. Okay. So he said he's, the, he's also the head of the body of the church, and he is the beginning, 
uh, firstborn of the dead. The word firstborn there is used a couple places. Realize that that uh, that uh, it's a picture of his creation. He was the he was the creator of all things, and so guess what? He was the he was the first person to rise from the dead. Amen. And so that's what we're looking for. He's coming back. He's rose from the dead, and we're going to do that someday. And so he says, and he himself will come to to a, and have the first place in everything. Should he not have the first place in everything that we do? You know, there are people that walk around, including, you know, uh, there are people that walk around and believe in Jesus, but he's not their Lord. They occupy a building and occupy a seat in a church. And I don't know who you are, but here's the deal. I see a lot of people that just, they don't want, they want, they want to be the Lord of their life. They want to make decisions. Guess what? You don't get a chance to make a decision because you were bought with a price. Amen? You're, and it's not, and the Bible says you're not your own. You belong to Jesus. And so that's the idea where I miss so much that, that I don't get a chance to preach the word of God when I was so sick and it broke my heart. And so pastor just, and, and the leaders and the people in this church, including you, would just encourage me to say, just go where you're going. Actually, I read a book uh, by uh, um, Millie Graham that was heading home, and he was saying, wherever God has put you in life, just be there and preach the word of God and, and to do what God has called us to do. So I don't know what your situation is today, but I guess what? I serve a, a God that can raise us above everything. And even in our, and even in our illness, I said, I said to the group that I pastor, I said, even if you put me in a wheelchair, I would still preach. And so I had that attitude, except that when you're hurting, Nothing works. Your brain doesn't work. And so when I left the victory, it was not because I had a wonderful church, but I would, could not serve God properly because I was in so much pain and they weren't. So they needed somebody who would be able to fulfill that task. So that broke my heart. So the idea is, is that God is, wants to give you the pleasures of your heart, and so that's what he's after. And so that was, that's what God had done. And he says, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all fullness of, to dwell in him. So God, when you see Jesus Christ, you read the word of God, you see that the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit, was all part of that. And so isn't that wonderful that we can look at that in the word of God and know that's what God is. Okay. As a person who has trusted Christ for our salvation, we have begin, we give, he's, he's born again, he gives us the spiritual gifts. There are, the, there are to be used to uh, impact the, what God's word and to impact the church and God's kingdom. Uh, and he's there to, uh, to help us reach the lost. We have a, a, a misnomer in life that says this, that, uh, that if, if I don't, if I don't uh, witness to somebody and they go to hell, that's on me. Here, that doesn't work like that, people. It does not work like that. God is sovereign. God is holy. He knows who's going to be saved. What's going to happen is if you don't witness to somebody, you just missed out on an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus because Jesus is going to work it all out. Amen? I mean, I had, I, when I was growing up as a little boy, I had this woman, Rayma Little, who was always looking after me, and she was praying for me and all those things. And so eventually I come to know the Christ at the age of eight. But I, the idea is, is that, listen, God is sovereign, God is holy, but don't miss the chance to do what God has called you to do. Okay? Listen, it's up to him. It's he. he gets to be the boss. Okay. The Bible is, uh, is our instruction book for how God has equipped us to fulfill his calling in our life. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 9 says this. I planted Apollo, I watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who caused the growth. God who caused the growth. 
We get so caught up sometimes in numbers. We worry about what we did uh, uh, for BBS or what we do for this thing. And, and, I, and I got caught up too. And, and the thing is, is, it's not about the numbers. I pastored a church and right across the, uh, the, uh, the street was the, was the, was the uh, post office. And people would flock to the post office parking in our parking lot and, and, go to the, and go to get a message from whoever was sending the message when they really didn't understand the greatest message that they could be in a church. So that bothered me. And I thought, oh man, what do I got to do to reach those people? And so God had laid on my heart to, that it was his job to, to, to su supply the growth. That particular church, we, we, one year we had baptized 26 people unheard of for most churches and it wasn't me it was God but here's what I want you to see that uh, I went to see a, a lady later on uh, she was a shut-in and out of the blue she could tell that she, something just spoke to her heart and she said to me God told me to preach the word told told me to tell you to preach the word here's the deal we need to be Christians first right our greatest witness is who we are what our greatest witness is what God sees in us whether you hold a door open for somebody or whether you tell them that God bless. But God, you're the greatest witness in the world. They're looking for an answer. The young people want an answer. They're getting so much mistruth. I don't watch TV anymore, some of it, because there's so much misinformation out there. But one good thing about the Bible, it's been consistent for, for all creation. Everything God has said has come true, and it's going to come true. And we can trust in it. And so we need to see, we, us as people, they need to see us as Christians. So then neither the one who plants nor the water, water is anything but God who causes the growth. Amen? Now, uh, one who plants and the one who waters are, the, are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. There's a picture there. There is going to be an eternal, a eternal reward for what you do here on earth. Okay, and we're going to look at that. For uh, we are God's fellow, uh, fellow workers. You are God's field and building. Here's the picture. That God is, is giving you and I the opportunity to, to witness to people. If you see people that are, that are getting baptized, did you know it's just not the guy, that the person, whomever that was, that Jesus led to the Lord, but it's you who's praying during this time of baptism. The time of that God is for witnesses. You all have a part in all that God's going to do. It's not just about one person did. It's about this picture of you and I coming together for the glory of Jesus Christ and reaching the lost for him. And so we should glory in the fact that he's given us the opportunity to witness somebody that's changed, a changed heart, a changed mind through baptism. It's a person that is, is saying, listen, I tell the world that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. I identify with his death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm going to live a life. And isn't that beautiful? You and I have done that. It's about a witness. And so, Houston, you have, a, you have a part in that. People that come through that door, you greet them and say hi to them. How do you know what they're going to do and what they're going through in life? Maybe they need somebody that's welcome and a smile on their face. And let them know that you love them and that you care for them. Tell them that you're praying for them if you've done that. So the idea is that, listen, we have one opportunity to serve Jesus Christ and the rewards are going to be added based on what we do here on earth. And it's about obedience and love. If you're doing something simply for the fact of getting a reward, you just lost a reward. If you give to God, I tell people, I used to say that I don't never hardly ever preach, pastor doesn't either, about uh, tithing and gifts. Because if you teach people what they're supposed to do, the rest is going to work, people. 
Okay, they, they need to know what the Word of God says. But listen, we need to do things out of love and obedience for God. Not out of compunction. The Bible tells us that if we've done that out of compunction, they've just lost their reward. And I've robbed them as a pastor. I've robbed them because I've made them feel guilty about not giving. And here's the wonderful thing that you guys have, uh, God has done this, that we paid cash for a, for a roof. Why? Because people were faithful, not because somebody, not because the pastor got up and browbeat you and the, and the leaders got up and said, man, you need to do this. It was about giving them an opportunity to serve God and through obedience and love of God and then God supplied. We've got all kinds, we have the building painted, pay cash. Everything we've done in this, uh, this is by paying cash. It's because of your obedience and your love. And guess who gets the glory? Not us, but Jesus Christ. And so listen, I want you to see here that this is, there's a wonderful work going on. I pastored a church with those 26 people that, were, uh, that, that we had reached for Christ, I believe. That was part of making sure that they know the Lord. Only I, I couldn't see into their heart. Nobody can. And so, but listen, they were so fragmented, I couldn't be their pastor anymore. I had to leave. It was just, it was dry, and I didn't want to be pastor anymore. So I got to victory was I fell in love with the people after them asking me to come preach for them for a month. And by the third week, I fell in love with them. And so I took the job because I love the people, not because I needed a job. Amen? So the idea is that, listen, we need to guard what God's doing here. We need to guard it with our hearts. We need to pray for our pastor. We need to pray for one another. Well, let's move on. I want you to see something here that it says that uh, the Bible is an instruction book that equips, equips us how to fulfill our, what we're calling. Uh, and it says we are all, uh, so look at 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 3, 6, and 9. I think I just read that. So we're going to go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 11. Preachers will tend to repeat themselves. Did you know that God uh, repeated themselves in Deuteronomy and Numbers? You know why he did that? Because we don't get it the first time. I don't get it the first time. Sometimes I don't get it the third and fourth. Okay. So we're seeing here in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 11, it says, look here. It says, therefore, we also have uh, of our ambition, our labor, our, our labor, our ambition, whether at home or at absent, to be pleasing to him who is, who is Christ Jesus. Verse 10. Uh, but we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that, all, that each... One receives his compensation or reward, is what the some Bible says. His deeds, uh, his deeds are done through the body. You and I get deeds done through the body, and in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. So the idea is it talks about hay, wood, or stubble, or gold and precious stone. That listen, I want you to see something here right now. That these are called eternal rewards. Now you're not to do it just to get a reward, but this is what God has done. You're getting an eternal reward based on what you do on this earth out of obedience and, and using your spiritual gifts to reach, to reach people for Christ. I tell people I've done this for a lot of years, pastoring and different things, but please understand something. The greatest reward probably isn't a preacher. It's probably the lady who was sitting in the back praying for others and sending cards out and making telephone calls and all kinds of things. They will get a larger reward than what the pastor does. Why? Because they're using their spiritual gift. It's about us using our spiritual gifts. It's what God judges us from when we go to the judgment seat of Christ. And we're never going to lose our salvation, but we're going to get rewards based on what we've done here on earth. And once you're raptured and captured out of here, or you're passed away, the opportunity of rewards is gone. So what you're going to do on earth, you ought to be better getting busy. And that's what bothered me. I said, listen, Jesus, I, it isn't about rewards, but, but I want to be able to tell people about Jesus. That's the greatest thing in the world. 
And that's what you need to do. I have family members that don't know Christ. I have great-grandchildren that I don't think know the Lord. Now I've got some great-grandchildren that are in service this very day. And so I pray for those. By the way, we now have seven great-grandchildren. Linda's really that old. There isn't really that old. It's just me. I'm in trouble now. Therefore, knowing that the fear of God, we persuade people that we are uh, uh, well-known to God. I hope that you, that you also are well-known in your conscience. He's talking about your conscience to serving you and to searching you. you Paul talked about that constantly. To, to search your conscience to recognize, number one, that you're saved. I can't judge your salvation. Only you and God can do that. And it's wrong for us to try to judge somebody's salvation because we just don't know. You may not like my works. I may not like your works, but we're, gonna, but we're supposed to do our, what God has called us to do. And so it's up to us to, to be obedient for what God has called us to do. Moving on. So uh, sometimes we tend to, to look at the numbers. I've just talked about that. And doing that ministry and forget that it's really about God and what he's done. It's all about him. It's, the growth belongs to him. Whatever happens here is because God blesses us and gives us numbers. But I've, uh, it's, it's more important for us to grow spiritually than just numbers. You can grow numbers like crazy. Uh, the the uh, golf, uh, golf places, all kinds of people that are coming out and giving uh, dues and stuff like that, turn into a big club. You got a chance to go play golf. There's no problem playing golf. But the idea is, is we don't want to turn into a golf group of people and a people that grow spiritually by the way uh when i play golf i call i'm a you heard of the, there's usually a ranger that's out on the field that kind of keeps the golf going in the right way well i say this that when i played golf i was the golf rearranger <laughs> i was not a very good golfer and so i give my golf clubs to a person i love very dearly and i'm sure that he's doing a very good job with it but the numbers are the results of the of, of what we've done by the by what God has called us to do. Our job is just to be obedient to his call. It does not matter uh, whether you're young and old. We are here and we have a purpose. Um, and so I told you a little bit about this thing. Now, First Peter, let's look at the last one here before we go into to Ephesians. I'm going to be well, well aware of the, the time here. I promise to get you out here by one. It says here to be hospital to one another without complaint. Isn't that wonderful? I have uh, people that, that we tend to, to meet uh, through lunch, and we tend to meet at different times. And it's kind of what God has developed. I, I say this about Baptists, where two or more are gathered, we eat. <laughs> right? That's kind of how it works. And so at each one of these received a, spirit, a, a special gift. You've been given a special gift that no one else has. The reason why it's so important uh, for all of us to work together is because the things that you can do, I can't do. One of the things I recognized was is that it was very difficult. I, I try to be very uh, aggressive and progressive as far as a young person telling people about Jesus. I, try to, I talked about my Humpty Dumpty suit and things like that. And so I, I just, kids, you know, try to get their attention. But you know what? I recognize that I'm kind of a grandfather and we needed somebody younger. And so that's what took place in the in victory when I left. Um, he was definitely different. Um, and so uh, that's okay to be different, isn't it? Because we're all not the same. God has given them special gifts. And so he's reaching young people for Jesus. And isn't that great that he's doing something? And, and it was just time for me to move. It was, it was just God that did it. So here, here's the thing is that... Uh, 
We need to be hospitable. We need to be friendly. Uh, as each one of us receives this special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. Did you know you're a steward of, of the, uh, the spiritual gifts that he's given you? You're not just a spirit, the steward of the dollars that he gives you, but you're the good steward of, of, of the gift that he gave you. And we're going to be dealt with based on that particular thing that we're able to, to be faithful for. We're a steward. We're the person that God has given us in charge. It all belongs to him. Amen? Amen. I was busy in 2008 uh, leading a church. Uh, I got focused on it. I was doing my own investments. Uh, the company I worked for went bankrupt. Whoever thought the General Motors would go bankrupt? And so I lost a large amount of money uh, because I held their stock longer than I should have. Uh, but guess what? It wasn't mine to start with. It was his. How did he get a job for General Motors? He gave it to me at the age of 18. And he was able to get me through from working on the line to finally being an engineer for GM. My job uh, there was you'd give your right arm for. Um, I managed people that had degrees far more than I did. Uh, and it wasn't because of anything other than God was preparing for me to do service for him. And so I pastored two churches as bivocational and then two churches full time. But I tell you that story because it was always about God. It was never about me. And so whatever I had and did, it was because he did it. And so it says here, we speak to, to do this one as one who speaks the actual words of God. We're not speaking for God, but what we're doing is what lives in our heart, what lives in our mind, we must speak that, that we may understand that uh, the world, uh, that Jesus Christ lives in our heart and the world sees that. Um, it says, whoever, uh, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Listen, listen, people, you can't do anything unless God gives you the strength for it. He gives you the air that you breathe. I've had phone calls from people who would say, hey, listen, you need to go back to that church because that guy's just different than you, and we need to kick him out. I'm going, listen, God controls his breath. You don't need me to do anything like that. I had no business being there. God said it was, I was done because of health. I, know I didn't belong back there. It happened a couple times in my life. Guess what? God gets to be God, amen? And it may, good, it may, good, may look really healthy and good and, and it makes sense, but to please understand, he gets to be God. When Lynn and I were driving down here to get an interview with Joe Maddox in 2011, guess what? It was 9-11 that we drove down. It was in Chattanooga, Tennessee when we were driving down the highway and heard that a plane had crashed into the towers. And I goes, you ain't going to hit them towers by accident. Well, sure enough, we heard another one and then another one. And most people would have got in her car because I was pastoring a church in, uh, in uh, Michigan. It was a growing church. We'd been baptizing people. I started a, a Saturday service. And I could have turned around. It would have made more sense to turn around. But God said, keep going. Why? Because he gets to be God. And guess what? I'm here. And I tell people that, that because I've been ordained in Harmony, I call this Harmony Baptist South. <laughs> because of what they've done. And I've met with some pastors who have helped me through life. And we've got some good strength. But it says, the strength which God supplies so that in all things uh, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ who belongs the glory and the dominion forever. Now let's turn, let's get to, to um, Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know how far I'm going to get. It's not important uh, other than what God gives me time to do. But let me look here. It says here that you were dead. The first word out of there is you were dead. There are other places King James does a little different than that. But it says you were dead. Guess, guess what? The world is a walking bunch of dead people. Because guess what? What's the standard? Here's the problem. That what is the standard for life, God incarnate. Jesus Christ, the word of God, is our God, guide. 
And here's the thing. When I worked for General Motors and I was, I was in statistics, and so the first thing I would do when something went wrong was I'd ask the question, what's the standard? What's this product supposed to do? And we'd go to measure that and find out that it wasn't based on this design or the design was flawed. Sometimes the design was flawed, and so they had to change the design so that it would work. And so my whole point was is that there's a standard out there, and the world is forgetting that. God is the standard, amen? If you, if you try to look at the, the government, you're going to be in trouble because the government doesn't understand standards. They think that they set the standards, and it doesn't work like that. You know, they, these, these people run around worried about uh, the uh, stock market. Guess what? God's in charge. You know, I, you kind of want to pull the hair out if you've got anything there, but it doesn't matter. The whole point is, is that God sets the standard. And so that's the area here, that we were dead based on God's standard. So guess what happened for me and you when we were dead? Even though they were enemies of God, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. And he loved us so much that he sent someone, someone to tell you about Jesus. Now, when Linda and I went to, to a service, we were, there's a long story about that. Whenever I get a chance to, to give you my uh, five to ten minute, I'm not going to really do ten minutes of uh, witnessing, you know. And maybe that's why pastor doesn't get me up here telling you about my life story because I do ten minutes instead of five minutes. I'm trying to be funny here. You've you got to wake up. <laughs> In your trespasses, the idea there is trespasses is this relationship that, that uh, we're functioning in life outside of what God has designed us to do. We think that the trespasses means the falling or, or stumbling uh, denotes the way that we go the wrong way. And so we were trespassing. We were headed the wrong way. And so what uh, Paul does here is he's talking about the first ten verses in Ephesians. We may not get all that, but he talks about past, present, and future. He's talking about the past. You are dead in Christ and dead in, dead in sin, what that means is, is that, please understand something, that we've got this wrong vernacular that's out there that says, that says, listen, I am lost, and the judgment is already out there. God doesn't have to judge me. I am lost, I'm stuck in sin, and nobody's able to pay that sin debt. And so I'm going to be held accountable for this sin debt, and all the world is lost. Romans chapter 8, read it. It talks about the world is lost. God has placed in their heart a desire to reach and find Jesus for Jesus Christ. And much as I love my family, and a bunch, of, they, I know there's a desire in there. And the only thing I could do is, guess what? When you teach, when you talk to your family, they'll turn you off. Jesus said it's hard to reach your own family. But the idea is all I can do is be the best witness. I got a chance to sit down with my 12-year-old, uh, 12 12-year-old granddaughter during uh, Easter and witnessed to her because she came and sat with me and talked to me about things. And so I started telling her about Jesus. Amen? She's the one I've been praying for and others. Brother. So the idea is that, listen, that, that, that they're lost. Unless they're reached for Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell without him. And incidentally, hell is a holding place. Hell is just a place that's going to keep you until the great white throne judgment. And then, we're all, then the ones that are lost are going to stand before him and give an account of their life. But for you and I, that would be them because the Bible says that our sins are forgiven and as far as from the east as from the west. Amen? And, and he says to be remembered no more. Okay. So it says sin. Well, sin is the, is the idea of, of uh, doing the way, this way I describe sin, doing it your way instead of God's. That's simply what sin is. Doing it my own way instead of God's. God's got us a way to do things. And he tells us about it. <clears throat> Verse 2. 
in which we formerly walked. Guess what? We formerly walked, didn't we? The idea of walking is traveling through life. It's the picture here. What are we doing when we travel through life? What are we going to leave behind? What's your legacy like the Bible? What are you going to leave behind? What are they going to say about you when, when, uh, when it's all done? And I, I don't know that maybe some of my family will wake up when the Lord takes me home. I don't know. That's up to him. But guess what? I want to do my best for serving Jesus. And I don't, it isn't about the rewards. I just want to get there and Jesus say to me, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that great? And we're looking for that, for that acclimate from Christ and God. And it's a wonderful time. Let me talk to you a little bit. This is my opinion about people that pass away. I don't know why I'm here, but maybe I need to be. Uh, when, when we pass away, angels don't take you home. Angel never died for you. I truly believe this, that uh, the time has no value for God because he controls time and he's not within time. He's outside of time. And so when I die or you die, <clears throat> Jesus comes and takes us home. Amen? Not an angel, but Jesus. And this is what I believe happens. When you're, when you're there, he takes you before the throne of God. I can show you words of God that, that it, don't care, it don't care if you don't agree with me. It's all right. When you get to heaven, come back and tell me I'm wrong. But here's the idea. When I get to heaven, you get to heaven. Jesus, you're going to be alongside Jesus. And this is what they're going to say. This is my son or daughter whom I died for, and they now are my son and daughter. And you know what? The Bible says all of heaven is going to rejoice in the moment that you enter that kingdom and be in the bosom of Jesus Christ. And guess what? I'm going to look at my Savior. I'm going to look at my God as I'm walking down that aisle through the glorious, and I'm going to look and see the nail-scarred hands, nail-scarred feet, and the pierced side, and I'm going to know that He did that for me. He did that for you. It gets personal, doesn't it? I want you to see that. There's going to be a time where we're going to go to heaven because you know Christ's personal Savior says, absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. And we're going to see him there. And I'm going to look forward to that time. But you know what? All through eternity, all through eternity, he's going to have those nail-scarred hands. It's not going away. Incidentally, you are going to live with the Holy Spirit for eternity. The Bible says you're, you don't get it until you get to heaven. It lives with you for constantly. So it's, isn't that wonderful? That God never leaves you or forsakes you. Once you know him as personal Savior. <clears throat> A little sidebar. Don't know how that happened, but that's the way. That's why I don't have notes like preacher does. I just, I just, just how it works in my life. Oh, I got to tell you a story. I, I was <clears throat> talking to Pastor Greg Kell, and I was. He was saying, "Man, when I get my notes, I just stick to my notes. I don't change." Well, I said, "Okay, God, I'm going to do that." So I got my notes, and I got my half through a message, and God was saying, "How's that working out for you?" I threw my notes away and started preaching what God had led me to do. That's how God leads people differently. Uh, not everybody can be a David Jeremiah. Not everybody can be uh, uh, a Billy Graham. Incidentally, Billy Graham said this. He said, I've been out of the pulpit for three months, and I don't know, I'll be kind of rusty. And I'm going, man, I'm in trouble. Because I'm certainly an old Billy Graham, so I know I'm in trouble. But here's the deal that God's work is amazing to us. It says, in which we firmly walked according to the course. The idea of course is the way that we were at, the, the, the direction we were traveling. Of this world, according to the prince of the power, here's the controlling of the air. Satan and his dominions are busy trying to do all that we can, trying to interrupt us. 
in the air and, and, and of the spirit that is now working in us, the sons of disobedience. So the idea was is that you were lost. And the only, here God was Satan. They don't realize it. They won't tell you that. But the Bible says that, you're, that, was, that was God was, Satan was your God. And they're finding that. It, listen, when you see the world doing what it's doing, you've you got to recognize that it's just what Satan is leading them to do. Now they're going to be held responsible for it. The Bible says that he's placed something in their hearts that they ought to do this different. Verse 3. Among them, we too were formerly lived. That Bible saying to us, you and I were, were very much in that part of our realm. We were doing that thing. We were lost. We were following Satan. <clears throat> Whether you know this or not, the, the, the message that I had um, that Linda and I went to, we raised our hand for salvation. Uh, I, I didn't realize at the time I had been saved as a little boy, but that isn't important. We were, and it was about tithing. Could you imagine getting saved under a message of tithing? God is funny because that's where God was focused on, focused on my life, was about money and things. And so God brought that very clear to me. So it says, formerly you lived. Uh, and the lost, the idea is the idea of worldly desires. Uh, lost, it would be a picture of what Adam and Eve did when Eve said he looked with his eyes. That was good, God, good food, and he heard and he trusted in his heart. Begin to change, that's what lust does. Be careful what you see in your eyes. It causes a lot of difficulty. Of our own flesh, the Bible says this fleshy thing. Uh, indulging desires, we were living under those. That's what's going on in our world right now. You're seeing... So many things, I, I, it just shocks me that we, could, that we could have a woman who tied a man who says they are a woman in a, in a field of, of expertise that this woman had tried and worked very hard from since a little girl, and they give the reward, it was a tie, and they give the reward to the man instead of the woman because they said the world needed to see that he'd turn into a woman. Got news for him. Not true. You are what God created. You don't get a chance to change. It's about sin and choices. And so that's the desire. What's happening in our world today is this desire. And guess who's running it? Satan. So we need to, and this is what I thought about Mr. Spencer. Dr. Spencer says that we did it under our watch. We need to preach this, the word of God. And so that's what we need. Of the flesh, of the mind. The Bible says he works on the mind and the heart of the mind. So it's about working through the mind. And we were by nature children of the wrath, uh, even to, as the rest. The, by, by picture here is the wrath of God is going to be placed on those people, both in the end of tribulation, but also during the time of judgment, the great white throne judgment, the wrath of God is going to come out for those people that are lost. And they're going to be judged based on what they've done in the world. Not just for the lostness, but for the things that they did that were evil. The things that they had an opportunity to change their mind. My dad literally shook the back of the pew... I prayed for him, and, I, and he, they asked him to come down forward, and he never did. I went to my pastor friend as a man, talked to my dad because he's under conviction. He turned to his wife that was there. She didn't walk down, so he didn't walk down. I, I, I pulled the, uh, the uh, pastor there, and we talked to him in the hallway, and I, he said, Mr. Beeler, do you understand that, that if you walk out this door, you'll never get a chance to, to accept the Lord as personal Savior? And he said, yes, I am. I do. So shortly after that, he lost one leg. Shortly after that, he lost two legs. Later on, he had to have an open-heart surgery. And he had the Pope. It wasn't the Pope. It was a funny to give him the last rites. So they operated on him. They brought him back into the operating room. And the lady was expert in getting the heart regulated. He says, I don't know what's wrong. 
but I can't regulate your dad's heart. And I said, I know. Because I had, we're getting ready to go witness to him, and God says it's, that it's already done. He's made, he's made his mind up. And later on, I was witnessing to an 84-year-old man, and I don't, I don't I have a lot of visions, but I had a picture of my dad in hell, burning and crying out. That man later on accepted the Lord as personal Savior, not because of what I said, because of what God had pricked the man's heart at 84 years of age. God didn't, I didn't do it, God did it. But God being rich, I want to close with four. God being rich in mercy. Aren't you God glad that God is rich in mercy? Amen. It means that you don't get what's coming to you. I got news for you since I've been saved. I get in all kinds of trouble. You know, it's, it, what you see here today with me able to stand up to you that I couldn't a couple months ago was God's mercy on my life. Didn't deserve it. He just decided to have mercy on me. And guess what? As young people, as you travel through life, stay connected to God. I've told my grandsons this, my granddaughters this. Stay connected to God because the, if you stay connected to anything else, you're going to be in trouble. There's no truth out there except in the Bible. That's right. Amen? Because of his great love for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't wake up one morning and say, well, I'm just going to send my son down there. He, just tra he, traveled. he designed that in the first creation of Adam and Eve. He knew that there would be a salvation, a reconcile between me and God, you and God. And so you and I are now reconciled to him because of his great love, which he loved us. Christ said he died for you and me. I came, to, I came to, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? <clears throat> so, in closing, um, men, if you'd like to come forward, I'm going to close and we're going to begin to do the Lord's Supper. Uh, I'm going to read out of uh, 1 Corinthians. Is that close in prayer? Men, if you just come forward. I'm honored to do this. Um, and so, let's just pray. <clears throat> Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the people that are here today, the ones that are watching online. I pray that you would touch their hearts and minds, dear Lord. Uh, it's time to serve you. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where these people are at. But it's an idea that we just be obedient. <clears throat> if I hadn't had this operation, I'd have been in a wheelchair in, in less than a year. So by your grace and mercy, I'm able to stand up. But it's not what... What I've done is because what you've done. And so in this room today, the greatest miracle was bringing a dead person to life. That was us. We were lost. We were dead. We were an enemy. But dear Lord, we brought us to life. And so I thank you for that saving grace. I thank you for the fact that you stayed on the cross until it was finished. I personally believe that what took place on that six hours on a Friday was the literal... Uh, Literally, our words, our names came before Jesus Christ. And he literally paid those sin debts one by one. He knows you by name. And so I praise you for that, dear Lord. I thank you for that. So I thank you for our saving grace. Thank you for the fact that we're bought with our life. There may be some here today that's never asked you as being personal Savior. Please understand that there's a judgment that's already out. And the Bible says that you're already a children of wrath. You're headed for a hell. And it's going to be an un believable hell where my dad is at I, Isaiah talks about this fact that they that they went to hell and I looked at 
It's Satan, and they said, is this the guy that we were feared of? This is the guy that, that made kingdoms tremble? He's not going to be a king of anything. He's going to be a judge just like everyone else. So, Heavenly Father, I ask you to just bless this time. Bless this time of the Lord's Supper that you use it for your power and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.